Welcome to another edition of Band Director Bootcamp, where we share productivity and wellness tips for busy band directors. I'm your host, Leslie Moffat, and I'm really grateful to be sharing this platform with you. As busy band directors, we know that you don't have a lot of time to watch lengthy professional development webinars, so we share 20-minute tidbits with takeaways you can use to support you in this very awesome profession in a healthier way. And I'm really excited today to bring Dirken von Grongen. Grongen. I forgot to ask you how to pronounce your name, Dirken. Uh, no problem. I'm so embarrassed, um, so I'm going to have you do that. And tell us a little bit about your background so that our listeners know who we're talking to today. Okay, thanks for, for having me. I'm Dirk-Jan van Groningen, but that's a, a really awful Dutch name to pronounce as an American, I guess. <laughs> I'm, um, I'm from Europe. I'm living in the Netherlands. That's about uh, one of the smallest countries in Europe. Uh, besides Belgium, we're just a little bit bigger. And um, I'm a percussion specialist and I um, teach in, in a private music school um, about 15 kilometers from my hometown Zwolle, which is about in the center of the Netherlands. And um, I'm a professional um, educated percussionist. Um, I'm, I'm composing, arranging, teaching, and uh, writing music for um, percussion ensembles and um, bands as well. I've, I've, I've been doing a lot of marching band in my career and, and playing in uh, concert bands and um, just some drum corps experience. And um, the last 25 years I've been teaching as well in, uh, in um, yeah, what should I call it? Because um, music education is, is in Europe is not as it is in the U.S. where everything happens inside the school, but um, they have to go to a special music school after school and then they're getting um, can choose what instrument they want to play. So we have like um, a big hallway with 20 small chambers and someone is teaching trumpet and someone is teaching clarinet. And, and I'm one of the seven percussion teachers in my school. Well, what inspired you to become a teacher and a band director, a music educator? When, when I was in my my first marching band i um i really get enthusiastic about uh, percussion and um i got the chance to um run some sectional rehearsals with the snare drums and sometimes with the bass drums or the cymbals and i i was getting so enthusiastic about um um teaching and so grateful to the band director who gave me the opportunity to do that at at a young age because i was 15 or 16 something like that and um afterwards i started um i wanted to uh, do a career in in uh, music and i started to study at the conservatory for music here in zwolle the place where i live now and that's where i went met my wife because she was a uh, studying piano so teaching percussion, and it's a little different in Europe, like we were talking about. And it sounds like when you say you have a hall lined up and kids are in different cubbies or, or spaces, practice rooms, taking their lesson. Um, we think of band here in, in the States oftentimes is the big ensemble experience right from the get go for a lot of us. I teach beginning band, for example, mm -hmm. all my beginners start their instruments in the same room at the same time. So they're playing along and they kind of understand, you know, they get that whole community band feel. Um, and you're going to come, you're coming to us with a, a, some tips here. Your kids don't get that necessarily. They learn their instrument, maybe a little more isolated at first. How on earth do you most have them of understand? them do, but 
um, we have in the place where I teach, we have a lot of community bands. We have like a um, um, community band, uh, like a wind band, but there we also have um, bands who don't march, who only play concerts. And we have, we also have um, bands who only march. So it's, it's, it's a bit different. And um, they're getting educated at the music school where I teach, and then they can choose uh, which band they want to join. And uh, if they don't want to join a band, then it's okay as well. If they just want to play their clarinet on their own. But most of the bands um, who are um, um, running in the town where, where I teach are connected to the music school where I teach. And they have like an agreement with the school that most of the players are being educated by the music school where I teach. So I think it's the other way around. Like, um, we're edu educating first and then there go to a band or, and um, I think in the U S it's the other way around. They, in a lot of schools, they start in band. And then if they want to get serious with their instrument, they're able to get private lessons, isn't it? It's, you just explained. Yeah. At least in the systems I'm teaching and yeah. And, uh -huh. uh, and I can see the advantages of both because that build the community right away is kind of cool, but it's really hard when everybody's got an instrument, they're trying to blow in at the same time and they don't have yeah. the capacity to get the sounds you're hoping for right off the bat. You use some interest, an interesting technique that you talked about to help students feel like they're connecting to feeling an ensemble sound. Um, using play along tracks with your kids and then yeah, I've, I've been experiencing a lot with play along tracks because i i made my own um percussion method which is called snare drum basics and um when i started teaching there weren't any um um percussion methods with with play along tracks and when i started doing that i re i i found out that kids were way earlier ready to play in band and were better able to listen to other people and react on other people and um, now i'm developing play along tracks with my um, percussion ensemble arrangements and compositions as well and um, i make tracks for every um, individual instrument but i also make um, a kind of karaoke tracks with um, without the clarinet or without the snare drum or without the marimba part Welcome band director bootcamp listeners. If you're feeling a bit burnt out and are ready for support and accountability partners in your wellness and productivity, we have an amazing opportunity for you. Join our 90 day virtual bootcamp, a community initiative designed for busy band directors like you who love their job, but seek a more sustainable approach. We'll meet weekly, discuss your wellness goals and develop strategies to help you achieve them. We'll tackle productivity hacks and fine-tuned systems for the upcoming school year. With 35 years of experience, I've got some tricks and tips up my sleeve that I can't wait to share. So, as we move into a new season of our lives, if you want to feel empowered and supported by like-minded individuals, this is your chance. Reach out to me at banddirectorbootcamp.com or click on the link in our show notes to schedule a 15-minute call. Let's ensure this is the right fit for you, get you signed up, and embark on this wellness journey together. Because together, we rise. That is so cool. You know, when I started learning music, and this was back in the 1970s, it was a visual art. Look at what this composer wrote and do exactly that. And it was piano and all that. And 
And it was so weird. It was not really taught to me as an oral thing. And, but what Mm -hmm. you're doing though is is you're, you're developing that, having people listening differently. And I think that's really cool. And I love how you talk about, you know, creating this intentionally um, to help the students develop these skills uh, in an organic way. And I'm going to jump in now because you had also talked about it. I want to tell all our listeners that, uh, that, Dirkin has offered to provide us with a copy of an ebook he created because not all of us are percussionists and we're teaching bands that have percussionists in it. We don't always serve them well. And his book is called 15 Mistakes to Avoid as a Percussionist. And then it was I got the first part of your subtitle as the 50 most stupid mistakes I made as a percussionist to yeah. tell us the whole subtitle. It's great. 15, the 50 most stupid mistakes I made as a percussionist to laugh at and take advantage of to run more effective band or percussion ensemble rehearsals. And who among us does not need to, first of all, laugh at somebody else. Cause we've all made stupid mistakes. That's always fun. Yeah. But then learning from someone else's mistakes or, or, challenges or, or whatever you want. I hate using the word mistakes, but that's where the growth happens. And if you're willing to, to put those out there and be vulnerable um, so that others of us can learn, that's great. So all you listeners out there, he's going to uh, have a link available and we're going to have that in the podcast notes. So you we'll put it can, in the show notes. Yeah. in the show notes so that you'll yeah. be able to download it and use it. Just to, just to give a small example, I, yes. when I was when I was studying marimba, when I learned to play with four mallets, there was always on my left hand one note, but I will I will always play the same wrong note in the same piece, and then I I came up with the idea to um, uh, pick a small nickel and put it on the on the on the wrong plate, and when you hit it, it makes an awful awful lot of lot of sound and and so you're get it out of your head to uh, um, hit the wrong note again that changed <laughs> your habit because you had yeah. a different sensation or a different sense yeah. was oh brilliant i'm not laughing one. at you for that one i think that's pretty genius <laughs> and that's one of the tips in the book oh i can't wait to read it and use it and apply it that okay so cool. cool you know one of the other things before we we started recording this that we were talking about um that you mentioned that i'd like to touch on a little bit is that this job is hard and it can take a lot out of us and it can, I don't know about you kind of be obsessive, but you have found that there are some things you do personally, um, some activities. uh, Can you share with us what you've done and why it's such an important part of helping you as a person and how it carries over into your work life? I do a lot of things to keep me um, physically and physical in shape. I go to go to the gym twice a week and I, I do some jogging and running twice a week. And um, before a couple of years, a couple of years ago, I I played in a um, professional um, ro- pop rock band, and I did like thir- twenty to thirty gigs a year. And I didn't do all the gym and all the the sports at then. And I was every weekend after the show, I was completely exhausting. And uh, and and I, I I quit the band because it was too much to combine with my family life because I have a wife and two kids, and um, but afterwards I thought I I need to do something um, about this and I I started working out twice a week in the gym and and do some running because I live in a very green environment here. If I go out of my house, I can run uh, five, six, seven miles with uh, seeing nobody. Nice. So and it it. It, it, I have so much more energy to do the job and be um, be happy with with the kids I teach and uh, and teach with fun and um, yeah, that's that's 
I think that's so important because I I didn't learn that in in when I was in school. They 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 were um, busting my, me off for wrong notes, and and that was it. I keep talking about that with folks in college. We're prepared to all the things we're supposed to do for our students and our communities and schools and everything, but not for ourselves. So to make this sustainable and and you just beautifully talked about what it was you had to give up playing in a group you enjoyed just because you didn't have the stamina. Whereas when you start doing that physical stuff on a regular basis, it changes the hormones in our bodies. It changes so much about, about it that we end up with more energy but it takes creating that habit, which is hard. It's hard to and do. How did you I start think, that? I think if I knew that before when I was studying, because I went to school every morning at nine o'clock to uh, catch up with my marimba and my snare drum and make some hours. But and and then um, yeah, you, you can't study for four hours in a row. That's almost impossible. But if I knew it at that stage, I could go do some running or could do some workout or whatever, go to the gym. But that's those kind of things you have to learn when you're older, I guess. Well, yeah. And it always feels like you don't have time, right? Yeah. But if you, if you sit, if That's, you're driving your car and you're like, I don't have time to get gas, what eventually happens? You yeah. run out of gas. Yes. If yeah. you don't have time to do the things that refuel you. Yeah. You're, but uh, I've crashed. I also think in uh, that time of your career, you don't give yourself the time to do so. And it's hard. You, you need to make career. Yeah. Yep. We yep. get to be people pleasers and band directors and we got big egos. Let's be honest. We want to yep. be out there doing it all and being seen. So, sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, but I um, think I didn't answer you. Didn't answer your question. I forgot what my question was now, but <laughs> oh, we no, just the importance of, of including the personal um, activity or the, the physical activities and the impact that it has had on you beyond, you know, just the personal stuff, how it carries into your classroom and helps you be a better teacher because you've yeah. got more stamina. So we got Absolutely. to that. We did get to that. Absolutely. And so I want to close out because um, I want to keep these, like I said, to reasonable uh, uh, length so that you have time to listen to them all. But I always want to end with advice to our new teachers because they are the future of music education. So um, if we were in a room where you were talking to a bunch of new music educators, what would you want to leave them with? Is there something like that you've done? You kind of alluded to it here. If you had known. I've, I've learned done. over the years that um, if it's possible, listen to yourself and don't listen too much to what all uh, other people are expecting from you. Try to find your own way. Try to find your own path in your way of teaching. And uh, don't be scared because um, when, when it's, when the kids love you, it's, and it's it's find your own way do, of doing things. Mm. It's so hard to do. And I think we become a mixture of, you know, we, we have to watch. Is it Louis Armstrong? Or I think it was him had a quote. As musicians, we do three things. First, we imitate. Then yeah. we assimilate. And then we innovate. And so we knew the new music teachers probably have to imitate a lot of what their future their their music teachers did oh, then as sure, they start I, teaching i've been doing a lot a lot of things what my teacher did yep and then you start to assimilate into your whatever situation you're in but yeah. then when you become more comfortable and you've got this big bag of tricks then you can dump out all the bags of tricks and and really innovate your own teaching style but it takes time doesn't it it takes time it, sure. and intention to be paying attention so yeah. i love that you say finding your own voice and being your own person 
Um, mm-hmm. Cause that's ultimately then when you can, and we talked about this earlier, when you can relax a bit and have fun without sacrificing the quality of education you're bringing forward. Yeah. Try to have fun with your students as well. Yeah. And then they'll have fun. And as we discussed before this uh, started, you know, when we associate an emotion like fun or something happy, whatever it is with something we're trying to learn, it's another way to help us remember it. And that's so important. So the fun factor is real. It is a really important piece of what we do. And like you playing those tracks along with your kids, that kid might not sound very good by himself, but when he's got that whole group playing along with him on the, the recording, it shows exactly. him what's and, possible. And the, the fun thing is for me, I experienced that if they're doing that at home, it 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 um, saves me more rehearsal time. And because they've prepared the rehearsal at home. And so you have more time to have fun because they did some preparation at home with the play along tracks, with the karaoke tracks. And and when they're coming to the rehearsal, they know their part for the most for the most part, they know it already. And then you have time to uh, rehearse it and make fun. And, and you have some time to polish the piece because I think there's, it's not always time to uh, polish uh, pieces. Some, some band directors are happy that they're uh, ready for the concert and that's it. All the notes are there and uh, maybe some dynamics, but sometimes it needs just a bit more. Yes. Agree with you 100%. Thank you. I love the different things you brought to us today. Um, And I know that our guests are going to have some takeaways from what they heard. And also when they go and check out your book about the mistakes to avoid so that Mm -hmm. we can learn from one another. That's what I love about the band director community is we so freely share and, um, and bring different things out. And now somebody can take something you did, put it in their tool belt and it will carry on beyond just our conversation today. So I want to thank you, Dirkin, for being our guest today and on this edition of Band Director Bootcamp. And to all you listeners out there who are making a difference in kids' lives through the magic of music education. I hope you'll join us next time for another episode of Productivity and Wellness Tips to make your life a little easier on the Band Director Bootcast. Uh, Band Director Bootcamp Podcast. I'll see you next time. (laughs) 